It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Please take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1 is where we'll begin. I believe a few weeks ago we, we did preach from this um, passage of Romans chapter 1 through, really through chapter 3, maybe a little bit into chapter 4. Uh, so I, in some ways I may be retreading some ground that I already had been on, um, but yet I, as I prayed I, I felt like this is where God wanted us to go. I'm afraid there's a lot of people, especially in East Tennessee, that have a very fundamental misunderstanding of the gospel. And I am not at all, if you're saved, you have nothing to worry about. Um, and somebody coming and preaching the gospel should not bother you one bit at all. I'm afraid many of us that are saved, we've lost the joy of our salvation, or maybe maybe I should say the the wonder or awe of what God did for us um, by way of the gospel and sending His Son to die for us. And I, I know if we if we went to First uh, Corinthians in chapter fifteen, we would see what the gospel in a nutshell is, and it is simply the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the gospel is necessary for salvation. There's a lot of people today that are all happy and rightfully so about Christ dying for them, but I'm afraid they have not fully understood the gospel. And to fully understand the gospel, first and foremost, you've got to understand our guilt or the sin problem. Otherwise, what are we getting saved from? If Jesus is just something to make our lives better, I'm afraid you've missed the point of the gospel. And that is the fact that we are under condemnation. And that unless we have a way to deal with the sin in our lives, then we will be judged based on our sin. And the guilty verdict is really being, it has already been put to us. There's many scriptures throughout the Word of God, but I want to key in here in the book of Romans once again and try to dig maybe a little bit deeper than what we did a couple weeks ago. Maybe it'll be some of the same things, but I believe this is where God wants us. So let's, just for the sake of maybe context, let's go ahead and just begin reading in, um, in verse number 15 will be fine. We know Paul's writing this book to the Romans, and in verse number 15, he begins, or let me just back to verse 13, just for context sake. He says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. What's he saying? He's saying he had wanted to come to Rome so that, so he could have some Roman fruit, so to speak. He wanted, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me, while we do not in any way, shape, or form, preach for numbers or trying to get many people. In, in, in that respect, it's not a numbers game. Yet, there ought to be a concern for us to see fruit. He goes on to say, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. 
Notice this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we see the whole context of the rest of this passage really through about um, chapter 8, maybe you could say, but especially through chapter 5, is going to be on the gospel. And we said last time we went through this as well, and I'm not just repeating this just to repeat this. I really believe that this is something many people fail to grasp. And there are so many people, especially here in East Tennessee, that claim to be a Christian, but they've never dealt with the sin issue, never fully understood the sin issue, and why Christ even needed to come and die in the first place. And that's what I'm really wanting to key in on, if the Lord will help us. So we see that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So everything that Paul Paul is going to say from here through the rest of what we're going to be looking at today and throughout the rest of the week is going to be on, on this thing of the gospel. Now, I don't believe anybody's going to have any problems with really what's in chapter 1. We'll do a quick read-through. I'm not wanting to spend a, a whole lot of time on this. We've dealt with some of this, and honestly, it's, it's pretty... It means what it says. It says what it means. It's pretty straightforward. But let's go ahead and read it. I want you to see a few things. We'll note a few things as we go through this chapter. Say a few things about it and then move on to where I really believe God wants us for this week. He goes on to begin saying in verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now there is something in that verse that very few people want to talk about or bring up in our day and age, especially in this area of the Bible Belt, but really it's it's just kind of a common denominator everywhere. The Bible talks about the, the gospel and the preaching of, of Christ. It's it's foolishness and it's really it's an offense to a lot of people and the Bible brings that up or, or says that. And Today we see a lot of people wanting to focus on the love of God. And yes, God is love. I, will, I wouldn't argue that one bit. But we see pe- a lot of people today majoring on the love of God and they never reference the wrath of God or the holiness of God or the judgment of God or the vengeance of God. And believe it or not, those are all Bible words and things we're going to see in our text, whether it's today or throughout maybe the rest of the week as we preach here, or you're going to see it in Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 3, this wrath of God being revealed. Now, we don't like to think of a God that's going to show wrath towards anything. What is wrath? It, I mean, it's, it's a word basically for anger. The anger of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, I don't think any of you right at the moment are going to have a problem with what I'm saying at all. God is angry at sin. God hates sin. The Bible teaches us, I mean, the primary aspect of Christ's character is that he is first and foremost holy. And until we can wrap our heads to some extent around the holiness of God, we'll never understand how grievous our sin is in his sight. But he's going to begin to show us how grievous it is as we begin to come through here. And he's going to show us that this sin problem is what caused a necessity for him to come and die on a cross and raise again so that we could have a way to heaven because we had a sin problem. Now sin, and I'm maybe getting ahead of myself, but sin separates us 
from God. It happened at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. That sin caused an immediate death. Now we know it also indirectly caused physical death. But when Jesus said, or when God said, told them not to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, Then day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now there was something that happened on that day, or God's word is not true. Did they physically die that day? No, they did not. But spiritually, they did. Something on the inside of them, something that had a, a, a communion with God, a way to fellowship with God, a spiritual life that was on the inside of them, that day died. And it plunged the whole world into sin. You say, I don't believe that. Well, all you got to do is turn just a few pages over in Romans, and you'll find in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man, who is this man? It's Adam. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam, through this sin of eating of the knowledge or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What made it sin? God said, don't do it. They did it. That made it sin. It was a transgression of the law that God had given them. Now they plunged the whole human race into sin. And so now man is naturally separated from God. There's a place on the inside of us, a spiritual capacity, or a capacity to understand things about God and to fellowship with God, that man at, at his natural state does no, not have any longer. It's, it's, it's dead. And there has to be an act of God in us to make that alive to where we can have fellowship with God. There's so many people out there that they've never truly understood the truths of the gospel, but they think they have fellowship with God. And they think that they're praying to God. And the Bible does not give us any at all indication that God listens to the prayer of the unsaved. The closest I think that you can find is Cornelius in the book of Acts. I believe it's his name, Cornelius. And the Bible says that his prayers were come up for a memorial in heaven. And God saw that and sent angels or, or sent angels to him telling him Peter's going to come and then called Peter to go um, by a vision, called Peter to go to him and give him the gospel. But there was a separation while he was doing everything he knew to do, he still needed the gospel. There's that separation. There, he did not have the fellowship with God that God intended for him to have. And so we as men are naturally separated from God, and that's because of sin. But now we see this thing of the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now in this first chapter, what are we going to see? We're going to see a group of people, or really just the world in general. This could be, a, I believe it could be both a Jew or a Gentile that has just totally rejected the truth that God had given them. Now there's varying degrees maybe of truth that people have. Not everyone has maybe all the truth necessary for salvation. Uh, that is about the full truth of the gospel. But I believe with all my heart, and the Bible teaches this, that if a person will accept the truth that they've been given, I believe God will give them more truth. And God will get them the gospel in some way, somehow. I believe that with all my heart. When when we all pass off from this earth 
and stand before God, there will not be a single person that will be able to stand there and say to God, you never got the gospel to me. You never showed me any truth. The truth of the matter is, every person in some way, shape, or form, when they have to stand before God, will have either accepted Him by the truths of the gospel, or they will have rejected the truth that God had showed them that may have led them to the gospel at a later time. And God is not required by any means to get to deal with us more than once, I don't believe. God, there's nothing in the Bible that says we get three, four, five, six chances. Thank, thank God He gives us more than that many times. But here we're going to find a group that while they have truth of God, they don't accept it. What's it go on to say in verse number 19? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. Here is some revealed truth, some knowledge of God. He goes on to say, For the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's he saying? Here's, here's a group of people that have some form of truth, that have been shown it by God and through the creation of God so that when they have to stand before God for judgment, they will be without excuse. They had at least some form of truth. Some way, somehow, whether it's by conscience, whether it's by creation, knowing that there's a God out there, and every culture has that. They know there's a God. Why is that? Because God's put it in them. God's given them at least a little bit of truth. It might not be all that they need for salvation, but I believe they have at least a bit of truth. And we find that they will be without excuse before God. Why? Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Here we see they've been given some truth, and they reject this truth. Now, at the end of this passage, we're going to see God's given them up, and really, this whole point of chapter 1 to chapter 3 is to show both the heathen and the hypocrite and the very religious man, also a hypocrite, all are guilty. All are under sin. And we'll pick up here tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.